Welcome back to the latest edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. As always, I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and this week I'll be joined by Trina Miller, a social worker recently installed at KCPD's East Patrol Division. When new KCPD Chief of Police Rick Smith started in his new capacity, one of his main goals was installing a social worker at every patrol division. Miller represents the fruits of that labor. Just three weeks into her new position, Miller sat down with the Northeast News to talk about, among other topics, her previous experience at Truman Medical Center, how she got the job at East Patrol, the lessons she's learned during her first weeks in the position, the goals and objectives for Miller as she gets started, her biggest challenges in the early going, and the single greatest need for the population she interacts with in her new role at East Patrol. Here is my conversation with East Patrol's new social worker, Trina Miller. Thank you for listening. All right, Paul Thompson here at East Patrol, sitting across from Trina Miller. She's the social services coordinator here at East Patrol Division, or is that your official title? Social services worker, yes. There we go. I'm not sure how long you have been here, so maybe we could start with a little bit of background about how you got to East Patrol and sort of how you're settling in. Sure. I've actually been in the mental health field for 20 years, Mm -hmm. and... um, I had actually learned about this program from Gina English. Uh, She had helped me with one of my individuals that I was working with over at Truman, which is where I was previously employed. Um, So when this opportunity came available, I was like jumping in. (laughs) So she, you, maybe we could talk a little bit about how you met Gina without getting too particular. How was she involved at Truman? There was a gentleman that was um, receiving calls from the police department um, that she had gone and talked with and then found out that he needed some additional services, some housing needs and stuff like that. So she reached out to me to get him linked with long-term services. And, and what was your so, role at Truman at that time? A crisis case manager. Wow. So, yeah. So, in, in some ways, it seems like perhaps it, it's not that dissimilar from kind of the role you're coming into now, right? Not at all. And can you maybe tell a little bit about what those roles were as a crisis case manager? Um, Over at Truman, my role was to reduce the number of ER visits um, from individuals that kept going into the ER over and over. Um, And then we would look at why they were going in. Some things were as simple as they would go to the ER um, instead of getting going to the ER for medications whenever they could go to their primary care for medications. So I would just kind of refer them back to, hey, look, it's not necessarily an ER visit, but you can go to your primary care doctor. So it would reduce the number of visits to the ER for stuff that wasn't ER related. And what percentage of these individuals were suffering from some sort of serious mental health issue? All of them. So was it overwhelming at all working in that capacity at Truman? I don't think it was overwhelming. It's just it was challenging and it's very humbling for me. So there's a lot of individuals that you come down here and you see that have a great need and I just have a strong heart to help those individuals and get them linked with services. So Good. Now, what was your impression of uh, Gina English when you met her? I really liked her. Um, she's just very approachable, um, has a heart to serve the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. When we went, um, when I first met her, it was March, or no, it was actually December of 2016. Mm-hmm. And she had ju- it was literally her first day as the social services coordinator for the department in a position that uh, now Chief of Police Rick Smith created. He was major there at the time. Yeah. And then I followed up with her in March of 2017. We went down to the Ridge Homeless Camp, yes. and she was giving them all materials. The funny thing was that so many of them 
you know, you could tell that it wasn't her first time there because they recognized her. Mm-hmm. They had it back and forth. And then right after that, we went to drop some reading materials off at the Central Library downtown. And she had a conversation with an individual in the lobby. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a coworker, maybe an old friend. It was actually one of the individuals who, who was down at the camp. But they had this rapport, like they were friends, you know. And I think she has that quality. And I, I'm glad to hear that, that you sort of recognize that, too. Because yes. to me, that was one of the most striking things that I saw that day. It was just this, this very light interaction with an individual at the library who... You know, could have been a, a friend, a relative, a coworker, and it ended up being somebody who she had assisted down at a homeless camp uh, just over on the west side of Kansas City. So, right. Yeah, I was part of that ridge cleanup, and I had a lot of clients that I worked with at Truman that were actually underneath there. Well, what was your impression so, of there? Did you ever go down there? Many times. Many, many times. What do so. you think? I, I was, I was, it was eye opening for me. It was. I had no idea that it was that large of a camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, like, when I first went down there, I was going to run into like a couple tents or something like that. But right. I had no idea that it had gone on for that. And there was some infrastructure too. I mean, some yes. of them had like, like, pretty permanent structures that they had you know, put together, and you know they had a door on them and things like that. It was. Right. I thought that was pretty wild, but. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. At any rate, I, I was impressed by her at the time, and it was kind of crazy because she had said. I don't know if I'm going to have a job come September, mm-hmm. you know? She, she was working on a pilot program, mm-hmm. and I know that Chief Smith, well, now Chief Smith, was really satisfied with what she was doing. It, you know, I, I, having gone and spent a day with her, I kind of was embedded with her for a day, and you see everything that she's doing and on a daily basis, and you say, wow, this is something that's sorely needed. Yes. So yes. Uh, I was... Uh, when I found out that they were expanding the program to all the patrol divisions, you know, I said, well, we got to follow up with everybody because I want to find out how everybody's getting along. Yeah. So I guess that transitions into my next point, which I just wanted to ask you about exactly maybe, can you tell me about your first day here and, and what it was like? Yes. <laughs> um, East Patrol, when I met all the officers, the sergeant, the captain, and especially the major here are mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So I really felt at home when I got here. Um, when I started going out with some of the officers, I was kind of taken back with not only their outreach efforts to help the community, but they continue to follow up. It's more like they just don't go to a call and answer that call, but they really have a, a passion to follow up with the families and make sure that the families are doing well. So for me, that was very nice to see. So I know that Chief Smith had really advocated for a social services position to be placed in each one of the, the stations to kind of just partner along with the law enforcement officers and just offer additional resources to a lot of the people in the community. So, so far here at East, I'm, this is my third weekend, and we have had multiple success stories. So it's our, it's working. Is there is there a particular anecdote that maybe you're most proud of that you could relate without revealing too many details? Yeah, um, the first week that I was here, um, there was a female that was squatting in an abandoned trailer and obviously had no running water, electricity, food, that kind of stuff. And they, I was informed that there was a lot of calls to that area because of the trash and disturbance calls and stuff related with this individual. And she was not really receptive with working with the police. Mm -hmm. So when I went out and met with her, um, she was very, I mean, very 
willing to work with me and my resources, and I helped her find transitional housing within 48 hours. Wow. And then um, linked her up with long-term services to get reconnected with mental health and a case manager that can kind of continue to see her through her treatment. So there's no lapse or there's no gap where she'll fall through a crack. So that was just the first week, you know. <laughs> so a call that they had been trying to work on, you know, I just kind of was able to partner with them. and You're sort of jumping in mid-race, right? Yes, yeah, yep. you don't get a chance to walk into it. It's, yes. uh, you're pretty much running from the get-go. Right. And is there, have you planned sort of follow-ups with her to, to kind of make sure that she stays on that track as well? Yes, yes. I'm planning on going back and just following up with the referrals that I get just to see how they're doing as well as letting the officers know, you know, how that they're coming along. So, and then another example that I had was uh, one of the detectives was working with an individual who had some property stolen. And one of the main things that she was concerned about was her eyeglasses. Well, mm-hmm. to you and I, that might not seem like a big deal, but if she can't see, right. you can't drive, <laughs> you can't go to work. So, um, I called her and got her an appointment set up to get a free eye exam and free eyeglasses just so she can get that. So it's the little things that, like the officers, you know, they might not have the resources or the time to kind of follow through with that, that we can now pick up and help these people get. Right. And that's actually a great example, something like that. You mentioned it may not seem like the biggest deal to you or I or, you know, for somebody to say, hey, can you give me a ride there? I, I think with, with a lot of these people, it's sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back with that kind of thing, right? You, you're barely scraping by, and then you just have one more thing happen that seems like it, it's, it sort of collapses your world, and then you end up going down a path that you don't really want to be. Absolutely. Um, so have you, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen a little bit of that sort of feeling from people that you're working with, right? That they're just... Either they they are broken from circumstances or they're one step away from being broken if they don't get some of that assistance, right? Right. And the really neat thing about this program, too, is that we actually get all of our referrals from the police department. Mm -hmm. So we're being connected with these families that they might have a perception of the police in one manner, Mm -hmm. but then they actually bring social services out to the house and we can help them with their needs. And so it really kind of softens the perception of law enforcement as well as going hey you know these people aren't so bad and you know next time that they respond to the call they might be like these are the people that helped me previously and so you, that, that's nice and you mentioned that one woman you know she wasn't initially receptive right. to intervention from the police right. and i think that's something that gina talked to me about as well that well they didn't want to talk to the cops right, right. or they have that kind of mentality but when Gina walked up to the scene, she didn't have a badge. She's not wearing a uniform. She's, you know, you go in there with that kind of earnesty, and they are a little bit more receptive. Have you found that as well? Yes, yes. So one of the things that I, I'm trying to keep in mind every visit that I go to is just to remind the people that I'm here to help them because of a referral from the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So I want to definitely tie that back to it's the police that we're getting these referrals from. Right. Um, so but, they cared enough to refer you. Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of the families that I have gone out and met with so far in just the three weeks that I've been here, you can tell like when you, they first come up to the door of the police or whatever that sometimes they'll want you know, the police officer to kind of step back and then mm-hmm. I can, you know, it's nice to not be in a uniform. Or they don't not want be, them to be in earshot. Right, right. You know, just dressed in tennis shoes and a pair of jeans and go up and say, hey, you know, I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. How can I help? I met a lady yesterday that she's got five children in the house and she was very, um, 
not willing to talk with the police officers. Mm -hmm. And so when I got there, I told her kind of my role and everything and found out that, you know, she's getting ready to have her electricity shut off. She's needing some clothes for the kids. They have a window broken in their house. Mm -hmm. So I told her, I said, you know, these are things that I can help you with. And she was great. She actually stepped out on the porch, Mm -hmm. you know, really was just talking to me. And by the end of the conversation, she was even talking with the officer that I was with. So it's definitely, there's no doubt in my mind that this program is not going to work. No, that's awesome. And well, yeah, there's that element too, right? Who knows how long it's been. That's something to probably keep in mind when you go in there since they've actually had a straightforward offer of assistance mm-hmm. you know i mean with no strings attached right just right. say hey we'll help you we it's beneficial for us to keep this situation from spiraling spiraling further out of control mm-hmm. in some ways to me uh it's interesting that you had worked at truman in the capacity that you did because i, I see a lot of parallels there right for the the police officers continuously going to the same house right and then right a person continuously going to the ER for service, you kind of get caught in a spiral, right? Where you end up, it's just this circular thing or or, or cyclical where you just end up at the same place. You know, no matter how far you go, you just kind of roll around in a circle. And so to find a a way to kind of triage that in a way that will provide them with some lasting effect or to to have more lasting effect on their lives, I think is is really the goal of all of this. I don't, I don't mean to take your words out of your mouth, but is that something that, that you've noticed as well? Yes. The parallels there? Yes, absolutely. So it's pretty much the same thing that I was doing at Truman. It's just in a different capacity here. Mm-hmm. So I, Kansas City has a lot of resources to help individuals. And even though I've done this for 20 years, every day I'm learning of a new resource. It's like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, I can help with a family, get them connected here. So I think bringing the social services piece into the law enforcement really helps just strengthen the community and just gives them extra resources to engage with or a a different individual instead of law enforcement. I can go over and follow up and, you know, really build that rapport and help these individuals and the families out. Now, can you give me a sense, uh, you said it's been about three weeks, for how many individual families or how many cases you've had a hand in? Oh, gosh, a lot. Are we talking dozens, um, hundreds? Easy. Uh, not a hundred. It's probably um, a lot. Probably 50 cases I've already been on. Just a lot of, I did a lot of outreach with the homeless camps initially. Right. So as far as the individual contacts that I've had since I've been here in three weeks has been great. Right. Um, so we go out and we'll offer a lot of, the, some of the homeless people don't even know about the missions or the resources that they have here. So we'll go out and just kind of outreach those. But actual referrals from families are now starting, from police officers to families are starting to come in. Um, I went to all the roll calls and kind of introduced myself and said, hey, you know, this is who I am and I need some services or some work from you guys. And then I came in the next day and my email was full and I had all these notes on my desk. (laughs) So so. they were, I guess I wanted to ask you about that too, the reception from the rank and file here Mm -hmm. at East Patrol. What was your initial interactions like with the men and women here of, of East Patrol? Were they receptive? Very receptive. Major Thomas is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has got a heart of gold, and his work ethic and the way that he backs his staff here is impeccable. So when I met him, I just wanted to be a part of that, mm-hmm. you know. And so I really have seen the people that are under his command. 
um, have that same kind of vision to where we're going to go out and not just answer calls or hand out a pamphlet saying call this phone number, but really connect with these families and just make the Northeast area a better a better area. Right. Have they given you any, you mentioned the Northeast, have you been provided any specific direction relative to the Northeast area? Not so far um, as the, the three weeks that I've been here. I, I worked closely with the Healing House mm-hmm. over sure. in the Northeast um, when I was at Truman. So Bobby Joe Reed? Yep, love her. Yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> and her. Mama Judy. <laughs> Actually, I did a podcast with her as well. Did you? So there you go. You get to meet a lot of people. Yep. But... Yep, so we've already gone over there and just kind of linked with her and let her know, hey, I'm in a different role here, you know, what can I do with this? So I'm starting to reach out to a lot of the Northeast um, facilities and organizations to get my name out there and see how I can help. So much of my work when I was at Truman was at Center Patrol. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of resources and um, relationships with the people over there, but so I'm kind of starting over here. Sure. Well, and, you know, one of the things you could do probably is maybe make, you know, head to some of the neighborhood association meetings or things like that because they're pretty active, actually. I mean, when I started working here, that was one of the things that was um, sort of pleasantly surprising is how active the neighborhood association leaders are and and how active the the organizations are in general. And they have, you know, these six core neighborhoods in the Northeast and, you know, they all kind of have their own their own leadership and their own goals. But they're, they're actually actively working to try to curb some of this. whether it be violent crime, drug abuse, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be a a good place to start there. I'm sure they'd welcome you with open arms as well because from what everything I've heard in the Northeast, they're really excited about this program. So pretty neat. Um, And so were you concerned at all about what that reception might be like before you got here? Was there some anxiety before you met Major Thomas and some of the the people? Not really. Yeah. You knew what to expect? I I knew what to expect because I'd been at Truman for so long. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this is what I do every day. I just get out, and I love the community. I love working with people and, you know, seeing a difference. When you come in and you see somebody that doesn't have a home or a job or an income or food and then – you know, you could go back and they have all of those pieces. I mean, to me, that's priceless. Right. So no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great point. The So I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you mentioned that you jumped on this opportunity quickly when you found out about it. Mm-hmm. How did you find out about it? Was it from news stories or, or did you see a job posting? Gina. Oh, really? Directly? Yep. Did she reach out to you? Yes. What did she say? Yep. She just said, since I'd been at Truman for so long and had um, the experience that I'd had, and she's worked with me and we've interacted together, and she just saw my work ethic mm-hmm. and just, you know, said, hey, really, this would be a good position. And and what was the interview process like from there? I mean, what did you have to – what kind of questions were they asking you about whether or not you could handle this position or, or whether or not it was right for you as well? I think the main difference that, that I can remember in the interview process was that the um, captain had asked me – you know, how I would feel about having a law enforcement officer going with me to each call. Because mm-hmm. at Truman, we would just get a referral and we would go out on our own and, you know, make contact with these families or individuals. Well, here, I have to have a law enforcement officer go with me to the first contact just mm-hmm. for safety reasons. Sure. And, you know, to still build that rapport that, hey, we're working with law enforcement, right. so we want to show up together. Um so that's been a little difficult for me because I'll get a referral and I'm getting ready to go out the door and I'm like, oh, wait, I have yeah. to get. Yeah. So they did ask me about that in the interview, you know, how I would feel about that, which I was fine with. Right. So. 
just for as a precaution for the yes. most part. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you mentioned that there there have been some individuals that are a little bit wary at first when they see the the badge and the uniform. Have you noticed that individuals open up a little more on that second visit once you made that initial contact? Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm also providing my contact information, and they're reaching out to me. That These individuals that we contact, mm-hmm. they are actually following up with me. I had a lady yesterday call me twice just to tell me thank you for services that I'd helped her with. That's awesome. So I can see it working. All right. No, neat. It's only been three weeks, right? I know. <laughs> um, so what did they, in terms of how long you'll be here, you know, I, it, it's definitely been extended from its pilot format but um what kind of assurance did you have assurances did you have about how long you would be in this role uh the contract is for three years oh really so there's no assurance that you know it's going to be there after three years as as far as what we have now right in my heart there's not a doubt that it'll go forward that they'll they'll find a way to fund it when they once they realize the the community yeah so yeah but it's a, so essentially you're here for a th- on a three year contract, which is is better than Gina got when she started. I, know. I think she was like less than a year. <laughs> she did. Uh, uh, so I, I guess you do have that sort of basis and, and some certainty that you'll be around, so you can tell these people that hey, it's not a fly by night operation. Right. I'll, I'll be around here. You can reach me at this number, and let, let's make sure that we take the steps necessary to make positive changes in your life. And uh, you can say that with some extra confidence, knowing that you will be here, right? Right, right. And I think building that relationship with individuals, that you're not going to come in and just hand them a piece of paper and walk out, but you really are concerned with their welfare of their families and them. And, you know, how can you help in getting in and doing the follow-ups? That's going to be priceless for this program. Right. Is there a type of individual that... That has sort of been, well, I guess maybe I was going to ask more broadly about the goals of your role and what kind of objectives you've, you've been handed. Um, and I, 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 to that point, I guess I was wondering, is there a type of individual that is, is more high priority, somebody with kids or something of that nature, or do you just kind of take these cases as you get them? So far, for the three weeks that I've been here, I'm just taking them as I get them. Okay. So I'm going out a lot with the CIO officer, Greg Smith. Sure, I know him Um, real well. Yes, Mm -hmm. great guy, great guy. And just kind of reaching out to some of these people and following up. So right now it's just a case-by-case. I'll go to the crime meetings at 2 o'clock on um, Tuesdays, Mm -hmm. and then I'll get a lot of information from not only the detectives but the other officers and the major as well on maybe some – um, cases that we might need to start looking a little bit more into as far as priority goes. Sure. So. And in terms of specific objectives, did they task you with anything particularly at the get-go? Yes. Um, the main objective is just to reduce the number of frequent or chronic users of public safety resources, the habitual users of 911, or residents within uh, multiple calls for services. So just, again, much like my Truman rule, people that are continuing to call 911, we're trying to kind of reduce that, especially if it's not a law enforcement issue and it's more of a social services need. Right. And I can go over there and kind of intervene and hmm. free up their load. Right. So kind of reduce the the level of frequent flyers, so to speak. Correct. I don't know if that's a term that's actually yes. utilized, but yes. um, I feel like I've heard it in relation to hospital visits, right? Yes. Okay. Well, and much like the detective with the um, glasses, um, he that, that female was calling over and over and over multiple times mm-hmm. to that detective. And when I just reached out to her and I said, hey, you know, what's going on? And she's like, I just really need some glasses. Then all those calls stopped to the detective to right. where he was able to focus on other cases. So, Good. 
have there been any circumstances thus far where you meet an individual and they're just not receptive at all and that you haven't been able to break through with? There's been, there's a couple of brothers, young brothers that I'm working with um, that are in an alley and they're homeless. Um, And I've been out there a couple times just to try to outreach and offer them services. Mm -hmm. At this point, they say they don't want the services, but for me, like when I first met them, they wouldn't even make eye contact with me, Mm -hmm. was just kind of staring at the ground. And then the more I would go out, um, they're like making eye contact with me. They're starting to smile when they see me pull up. Um, they're asking me for stuff like, hey, can you bring me a hygiene kit or something where they have, you know, some shampoo and some toilet paper, just basic toothpaste. Right. Um, so I can kind of see slowly that I'm making some progress there. Right. So even though they initially say they're not really wanting services, I'm kind of just following up to say, you know, hey, look, we really do care about you. I will provide you services yes. anyway. I know. Right? I am going to come by <laughs> yeah. and see you. <laughs> cool. But I so they're uh, essentially... That kind of, to, to be sort of, I don't know, the word I was going to say is forceful about it, but maybe that's not the right word, but uh, to just be consistent, I guess. Correct. Sort of helps break the ice a little bit. Correct. And again, I really feel like just showing up in jeans and t-shirts and no uniform or badge or anything really makes these people look at me as, hey, I'm just another individual. Right. So. Especially if you show up with stuff that they can actually utilize in their day-to-day, right? right? If you do bring that hygiene kit, will they say... Well, she's pretty useful, actually. Maybe yes. we should keep talking to her, and you know, at the very least, uh, you know, not not shun her from our inner circle here. So. Right. And those brothers, they both have my card and contact information. So, my thought process is if you know something would happen to where they're staying at now, and they have to be moved along because of the alley that they're in, they will reach out to me in the future. So mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to drive by once in a while and just say, "Hey, you know, I'm still here. You guys doing okay?" and Right. You know, you never know. I mean, six months from now, they might call me and say, hey, do you remember me? Right. Neat. Well, what's been the most shocking or upsetting thing that you've seen so far? I know you've got the experience in the hospital, so you're probably not very rattled by some of these things that the lay individual, maybe like myself, would be. But has there been anything that has been particularly shocking? Not really, because, right. like I said, I've been in mental health for 20 years, mm-hmm. and being in the crisis team at Truman, I mean, I've pretty much seen a lot of the barriers and the trials that these people face. Um, I think what I struggle with is when we do go out and offer services to people um, and then we go back and they're still in the same position right. and they've not really reached out to that. I kind of struggle with that a little bit. So, right. Cause I, I just have that will to help people. I'm like, come on, you know, let's get you going. And but if they don't want to help themselves. Right. Yeah. So, what do you think the single, if you can pinpoint one, the single greatest need is for individuals in our community right now who are facing some of these struggles? Housing. Definitely housing. I have been to more homeless camps since in the three weeks that I've been here than I have with actual people that have the residence. So I know housing's a big need. Um, and then just getting these people engaged with like employment. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, you know, they'll have previous uh, felonies or they might be a registered sex offender, which all those causes barriers to getting jobs. Sure. So we can help those individuals that that they feel like there's this massive wall in front of them sure. get over and, 
you know, offer them places because we have resources of people that will hire felons or registered sex offenders where mm-hmm. they might not think we do. So, right. you know, getting people a job and housing is huge to right. get them back on their feet. Interesting. So, I guess I'll end it at this. You've got this three-year contract. Mm-hmm. So let's let's fast forward a little bit. We'll take a time machine, three years in the future, looking back on this initial stage of your time here, what would you like to have seen accomplished? I would really like to see that the people in the community recognize this program for what we're trying to do and say that it's a better community because of what we've done. That's my goal. Would you like to see it expand? Absolutely. Even yes. further? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you think you'd have the, the need for it? I know you've only been here for three weeks, but can you see the need for additional resources in this area? Yes. All right. Cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, Trina. I appreciate you meeting with me today. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And that concludes my conversation with East Patrol social worker Trina Miller. I'd like to thank Miller for participating, the Kansas City Police Department for making her available, and last but not least, our loyal and beloved listeners for continuing to tune in to Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. (laughs) 